listening to The Currency Welcome. I'm Mike Gaston and I am your host. Thanks for joining me today. This is episode number 103 of the podcast and I'm recording this on Sunday, October 24th, 2021. Been a good weekend. Hopefully your weekend has been stellar. Uh, Just said goodbye to my eldest son. He came up from Miami to visit for a couple days. We hit the town, did a bunch of different things and uh, just said goodbye. And I said, I got to get behind this microphone because the people, the people demand a podcast. Now, the other thing that is kind of demanding is this week's news. My goodness. Sometimes I sit in front of the mic and I'm like, what am I going to talk about? And my wife will say, hey, what's your podcast going to be about today? You know, she'll often ask me on a, on a Sunday morning. And I'm like, I don't know yet. <laughs> This week is nuts. I mean, so many things happened this week. So many newsworthy things happened this week. So many, you know, headline-worthy things like, you know, China launched and tested this hypersonic glide vehicle that's capable of delivering a nuclear payload. Uh, We got Rachel Levine, uh, I think the undersecretary of the Department of Health. She's the assistant to the manager over there at the Department of Health. Uh, was named an admiral, becoming the first quote-unquote female to have that honor, uh, that level of office in our military. You got Joe Biden's town hall that was just like, uh, oh my gosh. I mean, if anybody's doubting that Biden is cognitively in decline, uh, watch that town hall. I mean, it's it's practically incoherent. And, and it's hard. It's hard to watch. I mean, it's it's kind of heartbreaking in a way. I mean, if Biden's policies weren't so scummy and anti-American, and if he weren't so, you know, arrogant uh, towards those that disagree with him, I'd feel bad for the guy. I almost feel bad for him just as a human being. I'm just like, you see this old man up there, and it's like, this isn't right. Uh, you got Alec Baldwin shooting uh, his, his uh, director of photography dead and injuring his director on a set of a movie, a uh, prop gun loaded with with a real, at least one real bullet that we're aware of. I think there was only one shot, killed the one and went through and hit the other. You got Anthony Fauci, St. Fauci, committing one of the most horrendous things you can think of, uh, funding just hellish, hellish research on dogs, hellish. And... It goes on and on. And you sit here as a podcaster and you're like, especially one that kind of covers current events like I do. And you go, well, where do I start? I mean, this is like a four hour show with everything going on. And what do we focus on? Now, typically when I do a show, I might focus on one thing, just kind of talk about something, maybe rant a little bit, give you my perspective. You gracious listener are so kind to get back and go, golly, Mike, best stuff I ever heard. Uh, thanks, mom. Appreciate that. But I, I, I'm going to just cover some of these. I, I do want to kind of focus on one of these stories more than the others, but I want to talk about a few of the different things going on here. Let's start with the Chinese um, testing of the hypersonic glide vehicle. Some of you may have heard rumblings about this. It's, it, any one of these stories would have easily taken up the news for quite a while. Uh, but each of these, because there's just so much going on, are just getting kind of pushed aside, pushed aside as the, as the new bombshell comes out. And, and I think some of this is a little bit of this demoralization, this desensitization. There's just so much going on right now that is just, you know, makes your head shake. That we're getting to the point where it's like, it's not newsworthy anymore. It's not, it's not noteworthy. It's like, yeah, okay. So the Chinese successfully launched this hypersonic glide vehicle. And um, part of the reason that this is relevant to us or should be relevant to us is this is a new capability. Now, this is something that the Soviets had been working on many years ago. And the way the technology works in, in traditional missile technology, you fire your nuclear warhead up into space, essentially. You break the atmosphere and you get that thing way up into space, the the missile. You know, it gets straight up into orbit. And you can kind of tell like when you launch a ICBM or, you, you know, like with our technology, the way we watch from the skies with our satellites and stuff, as soon as that thing leaves the silo, we know where it's going. Because you can calculate and project out their trajectory because this thing will go up and then it'll expose its payload, and then it kind of, you know, then arcs back down. You can kind of figure out. It's like you throw a baseball up in the air. You can see it go up. It hits its zenith, and then it starts to come back down, and you can figure out that arc. 
And back in the day during the Cold War, when it was kind of the U.S. versus the USSR, we had figured out that if they launched a nuclear attack on us, they'd most likely do it over uh, the, is it the Arctic or Antarctic? Which one's at the North Pole? <laughs> if they do it over the top of, uh, of the country. Now, okay, now I sound like a dope. I got to look that up while we talk. But we knew that they would launch that attack over the North Pole. You know, I feel like it's the Arctic, but for some reason, for some reason, so let's see, Antarctica, where the heck is it? That's Southern Hemisphere, of course. I mean, Antarctica, so it's the Arctic. Sorry, kids, uh, you know, Uncle Mike Simpson's got to look stuff up. You know, I can't know everything. Give me a break. For you geology nerds out there, lighten up, Francis. So we knew that they would launch kind of over the poles, the North Pole, so we were able to kind of train our and focus our defense there. We keep an eye on things. If our satellites saw a flash of light, you know, that was obvious it was a launch, we'd calculate immediately and we'd be prepared. We could kind of respond. The thing about a hypersonic glide vehicle, it doesn't have to do that. It can launch in any direction. And it can then kind of change course. And it doesn't have to go way up and then come all the way back down. It's not like this big looping arc that you can keep an eye on. It doesn't have to go up into space. You can launch this thing up and then you can direct it. It's not like you launch it and then it's just on its own. Like, you know, when you launch a traditional missile, they set all everything in there and it goes. You fire it, you kind of point it in the right direction and it goes. These, I mean, I'm oversimplifying. <laughs> but a hypersonic glide vehicle doesn't have to go all the way up and then arc all the way down. When it launches, you don't know necessarily where it's going to go. It can be maneuvered. It can be guided. And, and the Soviets were working on this for quite a while. And the Chinese are f you know, famous for stealing other people's technology. You know, We know this is how they do business. They've been doing this for decades you know, anybody running a company in China knows that your uh, intellectual property is fair game and it's going to leak out. I mean, you can't have a manufacturing plant in China without losing your technology. It's just how it works. So essentially what this has done, this hypersonic glide capability is new. The Soviets were never able to really perfect it. It's very hard to control. You can launch in any direction. You can maneuver it, etc., but the problem is you could never really get it to be that accurate. And so I think the Soviets, and this is back in the 60s and 70s, they just gave up on it. It's like, you know what, this isn't, this isn't going anywhere. They didn't bother with it. All right, well, fast forward. We're in 2021 right now. The Chinese, I mean, there's so much more available uh, with satellites and digital technology and communication and computing power and so on. They've taken this to another level. Now, this is newsworthy just because they've developed the technology, but what's really troubling is that the U.S. government seems caught unaware. You know, we're sitting there, like, they're kind of coming out going, well, this kind of caught us by surprise. We're surprised. How is it that China could be doing something like this and we don't know? How is it that we had no idea that we were caught off guard by this capability? What this is doing, and, and, and keep this in... It, by some estimates, our interceptors, so a missile goes up, you, you hear about like Israel, and they've got the Iron Dome and they can knock stuff out of the sky because they're all, because, you know, their neighbors all want to kill them and wipe them off the face of the earth. And so they have the ability to knock a lot of missiles out of the sky. Our interceptors are only about 50, 55% effective. That means that we, that we get half that come down in theory on, on paper, half. But that's in the old model. That's where you could kind of figure out where an ICBM was going. So if you really want to be sure that you knock it out, if one missile goes up, you've got to throw three interceptors out there to make sure that you're able to knock this thing out on paper. And one ICBM can have multiple warheads on it. So you throw one missile up there, it could have multiple warheads. You start doing the math country like China has hundreds of these things. And we're saying we've got a 55, 50, 55% effective rate of intercepting these things. That's trouble. Now throw in the mix that you can't figure out where this thing is going when it launches and they can maneuver it to its destination, to its target. That's really troubling.
So essentially what China is demonstrating, what we have to infer from this successful launch that they did of this hypersonic glide vehicle is that they can strike anywhere on earth right now. China has the ability to strike anywhere on earth. And we're kind of dead in the water on this one. There's not much that we can do. Now, going back to the issue of the, of the Soviet Union and, and trying to perfect this technology unsuccessfully, you have to ask the question, has China really perfected it? I mean, it, I, almost, I, I almost wonder if part of this is China playing the old American handbook against us. One of the ways that we broke the Soviet Union is that we developed the whole Star Wars Defense Initiative. You guys remember Star Wars Defense Initiative? I think this was under President Reagan. At least it was big under Reagan. I, don't, I think he's the one that announced it. But we essentially said, we are going to develop the capability to defend ourselves from space. And the, and the Russians were furious about this because it was kind of like, if, if the Americans are able to do all this stuff in space, if they've got missiles, because this whole defense system, the Star Wars defense system, was going to be like these satellites that would float around the Earth and they'd, they'd be armed with all kinds of missiles. And kind of the, the threat, like we're saying, oh, no, 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 it's defensive. It's defensive. We want to defend ourselves in case we're attacked. So we're going to put all kinds of missiles in orbit around the Earth, oh, to defend ourselves. Now, the Russians knew what the Americans are really going to do is they're going to have the ability to strike from space. They're going to be able to fire missiles at us from space. So what that did is that put the Soviet Union in high high gear to develop all their own technology and space capabilities and defense capabilities and strike capabilities. They went nuts. They poured tons of money in. Well, the Soviets' economy was already gasping for air. Their, their central command and control economy on top of their, their lie-based totalitarian government I mean, the whole thing was based on ideology, flawed ideology that didn't work in practical terms. They had this ruin of an economy. And now they've got to face up to the American Star Wars Defense Initiative and beat us at our own game. So they went all in on this. We bluffed. And through that bluff, we forced them to go bankrupt as a country. We broke them through fear. Now, what's interesting to me is if you look at this Chinese hypersonic glide capability, you go, oh, my gosh, China can now strike anywhere on Earth. We won't be able to tell where their missiles are heading. And on top of this, our own defense system is only 55 percent effective at defending us against incoming attacks. And that's under a more traditional setting where we kind of know where these things are going the minute they leave the tube. Now, forget things like being able to strike from submarines and all. I'm just talking about land-based firing capabilities. What China could be doing is looking at us saying the American economy right now is not in good shape. And look, China's not either. China's sucking wind right now. But this could be, this could be a master stroke on China's part, saying they're not in good shape. They're divided as a country. They are, they are immoral and corrupt and bankrupt. This is a society that's on its last legs. What if we put them on their back heels? What if we induce a bit of a frenzy where they feel they have to go and outspend us and out develop us when it comes to war making technology capabilities to the point where they break? And this just could be China saying, let's make them focus on this and waste money. It doesn't have to be to break us. It could be so that they can go on and do other things that they want to do, like if we're busy trying to develop capabilities to defend against this or to be the aggressor with our better technology, and they can just say, you know, in the meantime, we're just going to take over Taiwan. You like how I said Taiwan? Taiwan. <laughs> so this hypersonic glide is, is interesting. It's interesting technology. I think there's a lot more to be learned about this. This could be that China has now developed the ability to strike anywhere on Earth. It could be that they're bluffing and they're demonstrating a kind of a very basic 
level of capability, but it doesn't really do what we think it does, but it's going to then force us to respond. We have to respond. If we want to remain uh, at the top of the pile, which we're really struggling to do right now, we're going to have to respond. You can't ignore something like that. And I have to ask the question, what are our intelligence gathering departments, people, assets, what the hell are they doing that they didn't see this coming? How could China have come out with this capability and we had no idea, no idea. We were caught flat-footed. What does that tell you? What does that mean? How could that even happen? Now, of course, this story didn't stay in the news very long. I mean, this is big news. This is a big deal. And I know you're listening going, yeah, I guess it's a big deal. It's a big deal when China starts raining down fire on your head, Bobby. <laughs> but but the story, you know, a lot of people just was like, oh, okay, well, China, you know, they're the new leaders, I guess. I mean, we just kind of take this in stride. But this kind of, the story doesn't even stick around for that long. And I'm not doing these in chronological order. Uh, you got Joe Biden's town hall. And I'm not going to get into this too much, but goodness gracious, was that an incoherent painful, strange demonstration. Everybody's, you know, like everybody was on Trump for his mean tweets and, you know, and Trump in the Kofefe, you know, there's like this 3 a.m. tweet where he means to say coffee, but spells Kofefe. You get these experts coming out saying, oh, clearly, you know, uh, as, a, as a psychologist or a psychiatrist, uh, it's clear that the president has, you know, like mental deficiencies, he's, he's unstable, you know, all these hand-wringing academic lefties trying to let us know that, my gosh, a crazy man has the football. You know, we're all being told like that we're, we're, we're minutes from nuclear war because Donald Trump is out of control. He wants to be a dictator. He's out of control. He's going to nuke everybody. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Not Nazi, Nazi, Nazi. Meanwhile, I mean, I've, I've never seen anything like this. Joe Biden is up there. And I've always thought Joe Biden was a clown. I've never thought Joe Biden was a rocket scientist. And this guy, he's always been a clown. He's a, he's a plagiarist. He doesn't have an original idea. He flip-flops like anything. You know, he bumbles and fumbles. He says strange things. He's always been a little weird. He's inappropriate at times. He's, he's, he's creepy Joe Biden. I mean, that's real. But, but the cognitive decline in the, in the stumbling and the mumbling and the bumbling, he's, he's really struggling to string cogent thoughts together. And, and it's, it's painful to watch, but on another level, it's scary they spent four years telling us how endangered we were with, with Donald Trump at the helm because he was not right. I don't know if you've been around Alzheimer patients. I don't know if you've been around people with cognitive decline in their older age, but they can become a totally different person. Hostile, angry, aggressive, confused, docile. I mean, you know, like once strong commanding people docile, like a baby, other people who were, were pleasant and nice become aggravated, hostile, vile, mean. Now, I'm not accusing Biden of all those things. I'm just saying like, we've got someone at the helm that really isn't healthy. He's not up to the task. Quite frankly, you watch that town hall and it just, it just was really troubling. So then you got that. Then you got Alec Baldwin out there. Uh, you know, if there was ever a bloviator, this guy, his personal life has always been a wreck. He's got lots of relationship problems. He's had issues with his children in the public and so on. I mean, this, this is not Alec Baldwin. I mean, I, I have to say I liked Alec Baldwin in Glengarry Glen Ross. Funny enough, he played a tool. Big surprise. But if you if you have if you've never seen it, Glenn Gary and Glenn Ross, essentially this kind of character study of a bunch of characters, and and it's a sales scheme. It's these guys that are hustling these. It's there's they're scammers. They're they're working the phones. It's all about sales. They've got to get people to invest in this kind of fictitious development. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. You've got some phenomenal actors, uh, Jack Lemmon, Kevin Spacey. I know he's a persona non grata, and probably for good reason, but. Uh, Baldwin is in it. Um, Ed Harris. I mean, just like great actors. 
And it was just a fantastic movie. And having come up in sales as a young guy watching Glengarry Glenn Ross is great. And Alec Baldwin plays this character that comes in from the main office because the sales team is having some issues. They're not making enough money. And he comes in and he does this kind of mafia slash sales manager bit. You know, it's classic A, B, C, always be closing, you know, and he's kind of crass and tough on the guys. And just, it brought me back. Like I had a, I had a sales manager who was just an animal. This guy, uh, I don't even want to say his name just out of, and not out of respect for him, but I just don't want to be that guy that just names people and shames them. But this, this manager, old timer, he was a partner in this industrial, uh, supplies company that I was selling for when I was young. We were just back from South Africa I landed this job. It paid really well. Company car, you know, there was an allowance for a company car. I was like the, I was kind of managing, if you will, but really in charge of sales for their distributor division. And I called on Buffalo, Rochester, and Syracuse. I went to distributors and so on. Uh, kind of pressure, temperature, engineered products. And this guy was an animal. Like I was pretty good at my job. I, I, I Brought, you know, I immediately brought numbers. Numbers were up. The division was profitable and losing money for, I think, a year or two. I came in, got it profitable. Now, to be fair, it just needed some attention. It wasn't like I was this genius, but I was good at my job. I knew how to get in and develop relationships. I knew how to get sales. I knew how to look for more opportunities once I was in the door, how to solve problems, how to become a partner, you know, and, and do all that kind of stuff so that the, in, the business is growing. And this guy was just crazy coming to town. And he's one of these guys, like he was an orphan, put him, you know, joined the military, put himself through college, you know, became quite wealthy, but he was, he was a brute. He was not the kind of guy that treated you well. He was just brutal and mean. He'd kick and kick and kick until you did what he wanted. And then, then he, you know, he'd pat you on the head. So you come into the office sometimes and he just, the things he would say to me, the the f bombs, and when he the things he would call me, I'd been I'd never been treated that way before, and you know, and then I'm working late. I've got this sweet little wife, two little kids back at our you know terrible little apartment, and we're just trying to get ourselves established and get on with life. And this guy would just whip me like a like a dog. And uh, then at the end of the day, he's like, you know, now it's like I'm still at the office at seven o'clock at night. He's like, Michael, let's go break bread. You know, now he wants to go out to dinner with me. He's going to take me out to dinner after he treats me like crap the whole time. Now I got to go break bread, you know, and his first name was Joe. I won't give you his last name. Okay, Joe. So then we're out. Now you treat, you know, it's like mafia. I'll beat you down. Then I'll treat you like family. You know, you're my, you're, you're my blood. You're my family. You know, I do anything for you, you know, and then the next day come back in and treat you like crap again. Anyway, Alec Baldwin kind of played that kind of character, this really over the top uh, salesman. Liked him in that, but He's shooting a movie right now. Uh, there were some troubles on the set. And I'm not going to get into all this story. Troubles on the set before. There's some union issues. I don't know if they were cutting corners. Some, there were some walkouts, et cetera. But long and short of it, Baldwin, uh, as far as we can surmise, picked up a prop gun. It's a Western that was being shot in New Mexico. Maybe it was, I think it was New Mexico. I don't think it was um, Arizona. One of those two. And uh, picked up a prop gun, uh, pulled the trigger, and killed his director of photography, a woman. And uh, supposedly that same bullet probably passed through her body and struck the director of the movie. I guess he's going to be okay. The thing about this, you know, Baldwin, really a jerk when it comes to things like gun rights. There are tweets of him saying, you know, this is back years ago, like, hands up, don't shoot kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of th stuff like, I wonder what it's like to kill an innocent person, not meaning he was curious, but kind of criticizing maybe a police officer that had that shot someone in the line of duty. Now, I don't know specifically what um, situation he's referring to, meaning was that police offer, officer exonerated? Uh, were they charged with with uh, manslaughter? But the long and short of it, you know, Baldwin right in people's faces tragedies and he's just grinding on that, you know, gun control, gun control, cops are terrible, gun control, wonder what it's like to kill innocent people. You should be ashamed of yourself, gun, gun control. Uh, funny enough, uh, Baldwin now is, uh, I say funny enough, I mean, sadly, he's killed somebody with a gun. 
You know, it's strange too, because anybody that's a gun owner, anybody has any experience with the gun at all, uh, you know, like you never, and I don't care if it's a prop gun or not. See, the thing about prop guns, they're real guns. Like they're not using plastic guns in these movies. They're using real guns and typically they're, they're loaded with blanks, you know, uh, casings that have gunpowder in them, but no lead that goes firing out so that there's a bang, there's the, you know, recoil. So it looks realistic, but there's no projectile uh, being fired at anybody. And, uh, and blanks are still dangerous. You know, you think of blanks, like you can get hurt from a blank. I mean, blanks are dangerous still. It's not that they're hundred percent safe. So you've got to be cautious. And usually there's an armorer, a director of arms or something like that. Somebody that's trained, et cetera. And there was somebody on the set, although she may have been a little inexperienced, but they're responsible for all the weapons. But when you're on set with weapons, you have to be careful. And just in normal life, I mean, I, I, uh, you know, I've some experience with firearms. You never just pick up a gun and assume anything about it. You never assume a thing about a gun. You pick up a gun, you always check that chamber. You're, you're racking the slide. You're, you're pulling the slide back multiple times on a pistol if it's, if it's a semi-automatic to make sure that the chamber's clear. You're visually looking in there as you're doing it, making sure there's no bullet, there's no object in there. And then even when you've done all that, you don't ever point the gun at another person jokingly and, well, it's empty, it's not going to hurt you. You never do that. If you're, if you're pointing the gun, it's always at a safe place. You, you, you always treat a gun as if it's loaded. You always treat it with respect. You never point it at a person. The only time you draw a gun and point it at a person is when you intend to pull the trigger and cause mortal harm. If you, if you intend to shoot someone, that's when you do it. Any other time, you don't do it. So I'm not sure what was going on there, um, you know, where they were filming and she happened to be in the line of fire, like off the camera line, or if he was goofing around, who knows? I mean, they're, they're really being quiet about this. But it's, it's just a shame. Uh, it's horrible that somebody died. But on the other hand, you know, you got these people like Baldwin who are so critical of everybody else, so arrogant, so quick to tell everybody else how they should live their lives. And at the same time, they're the ones uh, that end up through their negligence uh, killing someone. Now you're saying, Mike, you're being awful hard. I mean, he's just an actor and he didn't know. He's the producer of this film. This is his production. So yes, he's, he's acting in it. He's probably the star, but he's also the producer. He's the one making the decisions on who is the armor, who's on set, what firearms, like he chose the team. He's funding the project. He's the producer. I don't know if he's the executive producer. I don't know if he's paying for it all, but I mean, it's, it's his, he's the guy running the show. So ultimately it's his fault. I don't care what you say. It's his fault. Unless there was, I mean, the only thing potentially that you could come up with is somebody purposefully swapped out whatever was in that gun with live rounds to cause mayhem as an act of terror or an act of malice, you know, but other than that, and I'm sure the news is going to, I mean, they're already making noise, like maybe, maybe, maybe. We finally have though, a white male that's committed a crime. We're not going to call it that because, well, he's, you know, he's one of us on the left. I don't even want to talk about it, honestly. I mean, I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's just stupid. I'm just sick and tired of being preached at from people like Alec Baldwin, whose own personal life is just a mess and who now has done this thing, doing his multi-million dollar make-believe project. And, uh, I can't imagine, you know, to be in his shoes to say, my God, I've just taken someone's life. How, you know, but I will be very interested to see how he behaves after this. And I think maybe that's what's most important here isn't so much um, who's at fault and all that, although I think those are important. But it'd be cu- I'm curious to see how he, he behaves after this. Will he take responsibility? Will he be humble? Will he shut his fat mouth? Will he worry about the beam in his own eye and forget about the speck in everybody else's? Will Alec Baldwin reclaim his humanity, humble himself, and ask for forgiveness? Or will he do what I expect, which is to hire a PR person and go through a rehabilitation 
process, meaning a reputation rehabilitation, not him being rehabilitated. The other story that I want to just quickly touch on is uh, Anthony Fauci and the story that came out that him and the NIH have diverted money over to this Turkish lab. And I think there are some other things. It wasn't just this, but this Turkish lab where they were doing these horrendous tests on, on beagles. Uh, essentially, they were locking their heads in cages infested with sand flies, I want to say, or some, some type of horrible biting insect, and then letting those sand flies bite them to death, essentially torturing the dogs until they died. The other thing that they did was really horrible is they cut their vocal cords out so that the dogs couldn't cry or bark or beg or whine or scream, howl as they experienced hell on earth until they died. I mean, and the reason I want to touch on this, and this ties to the other thing, which is the NIH has now come out and said, yeah, actually we did fund gain of research, gain of function research on coronaviruses carried by bats. So the NIH has now come out. Now, Fauci's been telling us for months and months and months, never did it, never happened. Anybody that accuses me of that is anti-science, you're a horrible person, you're a right-wing conspiracist, you are a liar, and you should be ashamed of yourself because I'm trying to save mankind over here. He's been saying that forever now. It's come out, his own department has said, yeah, actually, that stuff is true. The stuff that Rand Paul and stuff that's been running in the news is true. We did, we did fund that stuff. We did it. Now it's come out that not only did they fund that, but they've been funding things like this, just, just beastly, hellish, ghoulish, quote-unquote, research on these, these poor animals. What I want to draw out on this is, you know, I, I talked about... Uh, under the episode, a couple episodes ago, in cult, cult um, Covidians, the the branch Covidians episode about science as a religion, and, and that it's a cruel religion. Science is a cruel, heartless, cold god that doesn't care. And the problem I have, and I think this illustrates it, what what just came out recently that Fauci and his people and people like him have been doing. This is the problem I have when you when people go, oh, science, I believe the science. There are no ethics in science. There are no morals in science. There is no necessary good, necessary truth. You can excuse any behavior for the greater good when it comes to science. They're going to sit there and tell us that they did this to these poor beasts, these poor dogs. They brutalized these dogs. By the way, dogs as a species you know, cultivated by, by mankind and husbandry, we've, we've bred them through the centuries to relate to us, to be faithful to us, to be loyal to us, to, to love us, to trust us, man and dog, mankind and dog. We are two species that work together. And then we turn around and do this to animals. Now, what's really troubling is most people hear this and be upset about it. The things we do to humans are horrible. Nobody seems to care about the Tuskegee experiments. Nobody cares about the radioactive material put in Negroes and black people back at the, United, the University of Rochester back in the 40s. No one seems to care about that stuff. No one cares about the abortions. No one cares about the organs harvested from aborted fetuses to run experiments on. No one cares about the stories that are coming out now that they've actually been keeping those fetuses alive because some of the things that they want to do, you can't do to a dead, to dead organism. So they keep these fetuses alive so that they can do all kinds of horrible transplant stuff. I mean, this is like Nazi Germany, Dr. Mengele level shit. And I'm sorry for saying that, but I just it's just so outrageous, the level of horror that we are committing as a people. This is your government. You people that are defending Fauci and he's some saint and it's all about the science. This is the problem with that mentality. Is that you have people doing horribly evil and immoral things, ungodly, satanic things in the name of what? In the name of the greater good. See, the Bible talks about Satan coming as an angel of light. 
there's this phrase, he comes as an angel of light. The idea being that he looks like he's this helper. He comes as this angel of light. He's a bringer of light, illumination, knowledge. You're going to gain wisdom. Oh, thank you so much. This is it, folks. If you don't know what evil looks like, this is it. Stop thinking that evil is, is Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. It's not some evil Nazis trying to figure out how to get a mortal life and they burn and melt and turn, you know, and scream uh, when the curse gets released from the Ark. That's, that's cartoon Hollywood BS. That's Alec Baldwin level stuff where they're play acting at stuff and then somebody gets killed. We're living real life. We're not killing anybody. He's play acting and killing people. That's all another story. Might get off of that. The face of evil, real evil, is Anthony Fauci and people that run cover for him. Now, do I think that Anthony Fauci is part of some witch's coven? No, I, I mean, maybe. Wouldn't surprise me at this stage. <laughs> I don't think anything would. I feel like Scooby-Doo where they pull the, the mask off and they're like, Anthony Fauci, it was you all along. <laughs> Nothing would surprise me at this point, but I'm not, but that's the thing. I'm not saying he's evil in the cartoonish sense. Real evil looks reasonable. It can be, it can make arguments for itself. Do you think Nazi Germany, all the people in Nazi Germany were like, oh my gosh, this is so evil uh, and I'm glad to be part of the evil? No, they rationalized everything. From the worker in the factory all the way up to the, to the people right underneath the Fuhrer, they rationalized everything. It was for the greater good. You think the Nazis were there going like, yeah, we want the world to be dark and evil? No, they were trying to do what they thought was for the greater good. I'm not calling them altruists. I'm just saying they couched everything that they were doing, their wickedness, their, their, their hell on earth that they brought to the Jews, the Poles, to the, uh, to the, to, to, to the Romanies, the Romanies, the uh, Gypsies, and so on. The people that are just exterminating, it was for the greater good of mankind. Everybody running around calling Republicans and conservatives and Trump supporters Nazis, Nazis, white supremacist Nazis. Take a look in the freaking mirror. It was the Nazis that said they were exterminating for the greater good. It's people like Fauci that is destroying lives, wrecking, wrecking lives, suicide, drug addiction, alcohol, and then treating animals and humans like lab rats, live, making them live hell on earth until they die a miserable, miserable, scared, lonely death. That, my friends, is the face of evil because it's all for the greater good. It's time we put our foot down and say enough is enough. How much evil has to transpire before our very eyes, before we wake up and go, we got to do something about this. Now, there's another reason I think that we need to do something about this, because the other side, the evil, they know what they're doing. And they know that at some point we're going to wake up. They know it. And they're preparing for that. Why do you think when Biden took over the National Guard, there are 30,000 National Guard troops. Everything was barbed wire, sandbags everywhere. They were locking it down. Why was this the January 6th insurrection? Gosh, that's another one that was in the news recently. You know, the government decided to drop their investigation into the January 6th. Well, now it's coming out, you know, and Merrick, Merrick Garland and things are being questioned. There's video of, of, I saw the other day, there's this guy for the January 5th, January 6th. He's going around, he's in camo with a red cat hat on, although it's not a Make America Great, it's not a MAGA hat. And walking around, this older guy, tall guy, big guy, he's like, hey, I know I'm going to get in trouble for this. I mean, I could go to prison for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, we need to we need to go into the Capitol tomorrow. We need to go into the Capitol. And then and then there's you know the next day he's same guy, and all the crowd at the at the Trump rally is like, okay, when this rally's over, we got to go to the Capitol. Follow me. I'll show you the way. This guy is fomenting insurrection. And then as people start crashing through the gates, he kind of steps back, like he's you know it's it's uncanny. This is. And, and coming off the Whitmer, you know, supposed plot, but it turned out it was all FBI people and one schmuck that was going to, you know, this plot against Governor Whitmer in uh, in Michigan. It's hard not to wonder if this guy was a was a Fed. How many Feds were out there getting people to go to 
the Capitol on January 6th. And I've talked to people outraged, outraged that somebody would desecrate our sacred Capitol. You watch video, a lot of the people in there, that there are barricades up, they're walking kind of almost like on a tour. There, there's pathways kind of gated out. They're walking through, they're, they're in, they're looking around. It's like a bunch of old people walking at the mall trying to get their steps in. But I bring this up because just the other day, our undersecretary or under deputy, deputy the, the assistant to the manager in, in the Department of Health uh, and the federal government, Rachel Levin, used to be, what was, his, what was his name before he became Rachel? Richard Levin. This transgender guy, Rachel Levin, um, was just made an admiral. Yes, just made an admiral in the United States Public Health Service Commission Corps, the PHSCC, also referred to as the Commission Corps of the United States Public Health Service. Now, we have five branches, I guess. Uh, we have five kind of federal uniform services, and one of them is this public health service. The, you know, the other ones... Um, or sorry, we have eight. I said five. We have eight. So I'm going to look those up for you real quick. We've got the United States Army. That's number one. We've got the United States Marine. That's number two. We've got the Navy, three. Air Force. That's four. We've got Space Force. Thank God for Space Force. That's number five. Now with the Chinese hypersonic glide vehicles. Uh, we've got the Coast Guard. That's number six. And then we've got the United States Public Health Service Commission Corps. That's seven. And number eight is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Commissioned Officer Corps. So of those eight, six of those are military, like war-making, yeah, Coast Guard's in there. What's strange to me, and the reason I bring this up is like this U.S. Public Health Service Commission Corps, like why is this a uniformed service of the United States. I mean, like it's militarized. And, and this transgender freak has been made an admiral, admiral. It's just strange to me. I started thinking about where our military is going. You look at what happened with the Afghanistan withdrawal. It's just, it's just, you know, Biden up there saying this is not going to be like Sa Saigon. Turn right around. It was exactly like Saigon just a few weeks later. You look at Mark Milley, you look at, all, and if you talk to anybody that's been near in the military in the last 10, 20 years, I mean, the level of wokeness, the, the level of, of Marxist ideology that has infiltrated our, our armed forces is just, it's, it's breathtaking. It's, it, it, it just seems the cognitive dissonance of the American war-making machine that it could become so ideologically Marxist. And that it's that identity politics could take it over to such a degree. It's just, you can't, you can't believe it. When you talk to folks, you realize like they're, they're doing so much kind of <laughs> reprogramming training and so on around this stuff. Um, I saw the other day a video, it's like of uh, recruits, fresh recruits doing a march. I don't know if, I think it was the army. They were wearing army. So, you know, they're doing the drill around the barracks, you know, they're doing their out in the yard. They're, you know, the old days, you know, sound off one, two, one, two, you know, the drill sergeants kind of sounding off the song while they're marching. Well, the first thing is they're all wearing masks. So first of all, you got these guys are all outdoors. They're out of doors. They're not even indoors. They're marching in formation, their t-shirt, their government issued t-shirt and shorts, the crew cuts and everything. They're fresh. And they're out there doing their thing. They're, they're jogging or whatever, but they're wearing masks. So first of all, that's just stupid. That's just not even scientific. That's just retarded. And, uh, but, but then the other thing was this, this black female drill sergeant is singing a song. And I'm just going to, this from memory and forgive me, I'm, I'm, I'm not a singer. Uh, but it was something like, um, you know, I remember back in the day, you know, and then they, they, it's call and response. So they sing that to her. MLK, MLK tried to show us the way. And then they, so they're doing this whole Black Lives Matter thing as they're marching around and jogging and getting these guys into shape, singing about Martin Luther King, trying to show us a better way. It's just like, and so I'm going somewhere with this. You, you look at Rachel Levin, she's an admiral. You look at Mark Milley and, and the absolute disgrace that he is where he's, 
getting on the phone with our enemies saying, don't worry about our president. I'll give you a heads up if he does anything squirrely. You know, that's just outright subordination at best. It's treason at worst. You've got, you're marching these kids around in masks doing Black Lives Matter MLK songs when you're trying to teach them to make war. And you put this 60 some odd year old pediatrician who was born a male, who's decided after being married and having children that no, he's a female. So now he's going to wear a dress and grow his hair long and put lipstick on. You make him an admiral in one of the eight armed services, uniformed services rather of the United States. And I have to ask myself, well, who is it that these services, these uniform war making services are going to war with? Now, this health, public health commission, public public health commission corps, their primary mission is the protection, promotion, and advancement of health and safety of the general public. Sounds innocuous, but coming out of COVID, I have to look at that and say, if you're saying that your primary mission is the protection, promotion, and advancement of health and safety in the general public, well, that means that you can lock me in my house. That means that you can beat and arrest me if I don't uh, observe lockdowns. That means that you can strip me of my ability to run a business, feed my family. That means you can probably bang on my door and knock it down and drag me out and vaccinate me against my will if you'd like to. That means you could probably arrest me if I say things that are seditious against the protection, promotion, and advancement of health and safety in the general public. Like if I say I don't think it's healthy for kids to be put in public school, you could come and arrest me because I'm undermining the safety and the health of the general public because the government could say you absolutely need to have your kids in public school. We're going to make private school, homeschool legal. I mean, the, the, the sky's the limit here. They can do whatever they want. And now you've got a uniformed service around that that's that's mandated to, to deliver protection, promotion, advancement of public safety, public health and safety. So I ask myself, when you're creating these armed services, these uniformed services that are designed to wage war, the Marines, the Army, the Air Force, and you're putting people in charge of them that, that have this postmodern, ideological, Marxist, woke, bizarre view of the world, a view that is not reality, by the way. And then on top of that, you start putting people in charge, men that wear lipstick and dresses, who is it that you think you're going to war with? Are you going to put men in dresses that wear lipstick in charge of, of war-making bodies that are going to fight serious enemies? You think that the Russians are scared to face off against an American opponent like that? Do you think the Chinese are worried about facing off against our uniformed services that are led by men pretending to be women wearing dresses and lipstick and growing their hair out long and mascara that insist on be calling a, a female's name. Now, I know I get canceled for all this kind of stuff, but I got to tell you the truth. Do you really think that this is a military being built and groomed and developed to face off against enemies of consequence? Do you think any military being led by a bunch of homosexuals and transgenders and just bizarre clown world people living a bizarre lie, people out of integrity with themselves, do you think that that's a serious military that, that the world need to fear? No, of course not. And I think we know that. I don't think that we're organizing and developing our military for exterior threats. I think the only group of people that Rachel Levine and her ilk are going to be successful against are the internal enemies, the population of the U.S., people that have already been cowed and brainwashed and programmed and stripped of their ability to defend themselves and convinced that good is evil and evil is good. This is the only people that General Milley and the Rachel Levines of the world can win against are those that are already defeated. People who that have been psychologically broken down, people that have been mentally destroyed, people that have turned against themselves and each other, people that don't know who they are or are ashamed of who they are, 
people that have been cowed and stripped and beaten down. That's who folks like Rachel Levine can prevail against. And quite frankly, if you had a military of upstanding, upright, war-making heroes of true warriors, they would never turn against their own people. They would turn against their government before they would turn against the people of the United States of America. So they would know that the government was corrupt at that point. You have to put thugs and people that are out of integrity with who they are and people that are corrupted and people that are deceived in charge. You have to put broken, evil, dark people, people of dark hearts in charge. You have to arm those people, give those people authority because those are the people that will turn against their own country. Those are the people that will turn against the Constitution. Those are the people that will turn against their own kind. Those are the people that will fund research that tortures animals to death and cuts their vocal cords so they can't cry out for help. Those are the people. They would never prevail against a true enemy. They would never prevail against an exterior threat but they are perfect for turning against their own people. They are perfect for turning against the very people that look to them for comfort and safety and security. Just like a dog looks to a man for security, safety, friendship, a bond. We look to our leaders, to our government for these things, and they are turning against us and they are equipping the animals to turn against us. People, I'm telling you, this is a crazy news week. This news week is just representative of something that's been going on for years now, for decades. We have got to wake up. We have got to wake up. I say this, I'm becoming a broken record. I don't think I'm gonna be able to stop saying this because the world has veered so far from it. We have got to cling to the truth. You've got to find necessary truth. You have got to find a source for that truth. And I don't mean a good news source. I'm not talking about, well, which network can you trust to tell you the truth? None of them. No one's telling you the truth. You have got to find the truth. You have to know the truth. Because if you know the truth, you accept the truth. If you love the truth, the truth, he will set you free. Guys, I love you all. And I'll catch you in the next episode.